Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Log In Audio Out podcast. I'm your host, Hugo, and I'm here with my co-host, Taylor. Say hi, Taylor. Hello. And today we have another reoccurring guest. Say hi, Eric. How's it going, everybody? So today we actually have a very special topic today we're talking about, where I think this is going to be our most informative informative type of topics we're going to go on. It is going to be focusing on the concept of PC building. Now, with every form, everyone has their own form of playing video games or their own technical cup of tea, but a lot of it is always originated from computers. Yet, oddly enough, I would like to still think that is the most popular form to play video games. It is what originated, it's what's still around. Though I do think the medium has changed to where now, obviously, people think of video games as more related to handhelds or consoles, but at the end of the day, those are also just glorified computers, if you think about it. And this kind of goes into the next thing of people constantly try to mention to building a PC, but it isn't always the be- uh, the easiest per se. And the purpose of this podcast is for anyone who wants to get into that and to want to try to look into like what the do's and don'ts and what would be best advice for it. Now, Eric, I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about yourself on why we chose you as our big informative guest on this topic. So first of all, thank you for having me back. Uh, and thank you for considering me the person to be your local expert on the topic. Um, that is that is very much appreciated. Um, but yeah, so the short of it is that, um, you know, when I was like three-ish, three, four years old, uh, my step-grandfather on my mom's side, um, he was an engineer. And so of course he had a fancy, nice computer. Uh, when I was a little kid, he, you know, I'd spend a lot of time over there. He would have me, he'd let me play with it. Um, you know, he showed me how to use a mouse and a keyboard. He showed me how, you know, clicking this thing makes this thing happen on the screen. And, you know, that, that kind of got it started. Um, you know, my dad got a very nice home computer and then he started showing me how to put, you know, discs in, you know, floppies, CDs, uh, and, you know, type in the DOS commands to run them before Windows was properly a thing. Um, and that was like the mid nineties. Um, and I was like, maybe eight years old, I think it was 2002, 2003, um, when my dad took me to a computer convention in Rosemont. Um, and there they had a bunch of booths where you could pick, you know, these, they're referred to as quote-unquote boutique computer builders um, or system integrators. And basically you pick the parts you want, they assemble it for you, and they set it up, and then you take it home, like right there. Um, and so my dad and I, he showed me how to maintain the whole thing, you know, just on daily basis. Um, anytime, you know, I didn't know how to do something he, that we needed to do with it, he'd be like, hey, come here, let me show you this. And I picked up stuff and didn't even realize I was learning. Um, so in the meantime, he was also giving me bit by bit some of his old work laptops, like super outdated compact machines. Um, they're complete garbage by today's standard. But back then, they were, you know, average. Um, so that was really cool, right? Um, over the years, we just got more and more computer stuff, right? You know, you'd slowly upgrade as, you know, a pretty typical middle, middle-class family. Um, and we eventually got DSL Internet, which uh, allowed me to play games online. Uh, but also, I was able to use the Google, <laughs> as, <laughs> as the old folks refer to it as. Um, so then I think it was around 20, 2009, 2010, 
um, my grandfather passed away on my dad's side, um, and I used some of the money he left me to build myself the most banging computer I could possibly put together. Um, I had a buddy, and you know, a buddy of mine. He and I spec the whole thing out, and I put the money down, and then we built it. Um, and man, that thing was screaming fast for the time. Um, and so that was my first build from scratch. Uh, but since then, I have just spent more and more time every year, you know, looking, you know, keeping up to date with new hardware, new software, new, you know, prototypes that are coming out in the news, um, and just kind of following everything. It's not even my career to do so. I'm not a journalist. I'm not, you know, a PC builder by trade. Um, but it is certainly a very important thing to me, and it is, you know, I have done computer contracting, so it has made me money. Interesting, interesting. Well, I'm glad to see you actually had a very good background in terms of computers, and I think not many people got, kind of get that experience. Which I'm I was very about. lucky and privileged, yes. <laughs> which I think is the more purpose of this video where I think it's we want to enlighten more people to get into PC building and why it's always more important to get more involved with machinery of this caliber because i think from a public perspective it's very very intimidating absolutely yeah awesome so i think uh we actually i actually have a series of questions if you don't mind me asking go for it so what is the first thing someone should really consider when buying or building a pc and should they have a budget in mind or some type of plan so basically what i tell most people um is First of all, the, the biggest misconception I hear is, oh, I need like $1,000, right? I need like a $1,500 budget. No, not even close. Um, you build your PC to fit your budget. Um, so basically what, you, what I have most people do is I ask them, what are you using it for? Are you going to be doing video games? Are you going to be streaming? Are you going to be you know, 3D modeling? Or are you going to be doing audio production, video editing? You name it. And then I ask them, okay, what's your budget? And, you know, I'm like, okay, what do you, what are you reasonably and comfortably able to spend without, you know, breaking the bank or going way too overboard and you're going to suffer later, right? Don't want to be eating ramen every day for three months. Um, and then once I have their budget and their use case, uh, then, you know, I spec the computer out to meet that. Um, so a budget is nice, but also it helps to understand what a reasonable cost for parts is so you can budget without, you know, going too high, too low, or, or you know, whatever. Um, if you can give, like, an average price, like, I think, like, say, today, from the, the, today's standards, what would you recommend? So if you're looking to play, like, the hottest AAA titles at the highest graphics, you know, Cyberpunk 2077, or, um, you know, any, any of the, any, I'm trying to think of all the other, like, all the fancy shooters and stuff coming out, you know, everything coming out these days, you know, you're going to need, you know, probably about a grand to, you know, $1,200 or so, mm -hmm. um, but that's to push the graphics to the limit, right? That, that's going all the way, and that's without fancy cooling systems. Um, if you're looking to just go kind of middle of the road, like I want to play some indie games, I want to make it kind of like an office computer, or, you know, okay, I do want to play a couple of AAA games, but they don't have to be the highest graphic settings. You can 
pay probably anywhere in the range of like 500 to 750 and be totally fine which all things considered you're paying about 550 for a brand new console before you know you start buying games and peripherals so it's not really that different um difference being you know you can customize it you can pick what parts you want um you know, you're building it to spec Okay, uh, this is actually a question for Taylor then, because I know you're you're someone on this podcast who mentions a lot of like indie games, and actually mm-hmm. you're our usual go-to PC person. <laughs> I was wondering, yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, continue. I was just wondering, like, what's your opinion, like, on your build per se, or how would you handle? Uh, yeah, what? so I I have only uh, built a PC once, and. I think I went about it in not necessarily the best way possible, but for me at the time, it was what I was comfortable with. I just like, I went online, I found someone had like specced something out and I was like, I am just going to copy that exactly. And I am going to follow the YouTube tutorial because I also didn't have anyone to help me. So I was like, if I can like visually see every single step, then hopefully I can understand and make it happen. And, and I did, like, it was, it was hard <laughs> um, at times where I just felt like, I don't understand the mistake I'm making. And then when I realized the mistake I was making, like, um, so I think my biggest advice around this is you, if you do have someone in your life where you can find someone who has experience, um, they can usually help you with those troubleshooting things way faster than trying to find that information on the internet, because there's a lot of, like, as with all things the internet is full of good information and not so great information um so uh i i don't have that pc anymore i game on my my sad old razor laptop uh and i've been thinking about building a pc because i think i'm at the point where i need to do that um but also what i've been doing over the past few years is um uh, for the library, we have been buying um, uh, desktops uh, that that aren't necessarily like the the greatest, um, but we're using them for our gaming computers. And then we're just you know buying you know a better graphics card, an SSD drive, and swapping out parts to make them better. Um, so we're not necessarily like we can't build from scratch for every single library that we're serving, but we can swap out a couple things and make a really good PC. So that is also, I think, a way to go to get started, right? Understanding like what one component does and how it fits in in the, in the build um, is sort of where I am now and where I feel comfortable. Amazing, thank you on that. I guess this kind of goes into our next question then. So when, say you have a budget in mind of for a PC, and say you want to go shop for a PC, whether online or in person, you see a lot of these setups from companies that already have a PC pre-built for a convenience factor. And then, but a lot of the stigma is, oh, you should just build your PC. It's cheaper. It's better. Yet, my question is, is it really better? Like, what are the pros and cons of doing, getting, a, from building your own computer to getting like a pre-built from a company at a store? So I love this question. Um, especially from the, well, Taylor mentioned it, um, the idea of taking an existing computer that is already built and, you know, modifying it in some way. Um, that is extremely common and is the budget builder's best friend. 
um, especially for the, like, the lower, lower end of gaming on PC. Um, so pre-builds are actually great. Um, and I don't say that from the perspective of like, oh, they're like the best value or, you know, they're going to be the most hardcore computer you, you're going to get. Um, I say that from the perspective of, you know, th there's three cases in which I would tell somebody to buy a pre-built. Um, and none of these are bad. Um, one is I need a computer right the heck now. I need the computer yesterday. I need something to just plug it in, boot it up, and have it, it just works um, for whatever reason, right? Maybe your old computer broke and, you know, you have some stuff you need to get done or you are that desperate to play Apex Legends with your best friend. Um, you know, pick your, pick your reason, right? Because um, you can always, you know, modify it, whatever, later. Um, number two is you are just absolutely and totally that afraid of frying or ruining any component in your computer, um, which is a valid and totally fair fear. That That is a completely understandable concern, um, especially for somebody who is extremely inexperienced, um, because inexperience doesn't mean ineptitude. It just means it, it, you're, you don't have the experience. Um, so, it, you know, if you're, if you're afraid of it, then you know what? Just go with the pre-built, figure it out later, learn it along the way, um, you know, YouTube is a, good, is a good buddy to have if you know where to look. Google, kind of the same. Um, yeah, you're going to have some misleads along the way and some misinformation, but ultimately you'll probably find your way there. Yeah, because when I've considered trying to build a PC or even, like, getting into that type of market, I always thought at some point, like, why do all this research? Why not just try to do, like, a little bit of research, get a PC at the store, pick it up and call it a day just like a video game console? Right. And so that kind of brings in my third point. Um, in the rare circumstance, uh, the individual components are in low supply or excessively high demand or both. Um, so, and you know, that, that stuff is usually in the case of, well, two particular cases in recent memory. Uh, the Bitcoin mining craze of 2017, where basically you couldn't get any graphics cards uh, above the $100 range, which is the good ones. Um, and so people were resorting to pre-built computers from Best Buy to get any graphics card they could. So they'd buy the, gra they'd buy the computer, scrap the, basically the rest of the computer, then yank the graphics card. <laughs> um, the other, the other uh, case is that, you know, this year, uh, COVID-19 shut down the world. Uh, and that includes electronics and computer component manufacturing companies. Um, so supply was ridiculously low uh, for most components, uh, and then especially graphics cards coming out of, you know, quarantine and whatnot. Uh, even when factories were starting back up, they had a lot of back orders to fill. So, um, I mean, yeah, there are. I mean, there are some cases where a pre-built is absolutely the way to go. Um, any of these three or more, there might be more reasons that these are the ones that I consider the most prevalent. So, I mean, yeah, if that fits, if it, that fits you listener, I mean, by all means, I'm not going to knock you for it. <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, thank both you and Taylor for giving that perspective. I think getting a pre-built or a built can definitely has its own pros and cons. And it just, I think it just varies in depending on situation that from what I'm understanding. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's always like the unique ability like, where you can't do with consoles. You can upgrade your computer 
if you're if you if you're tech savvy enough. But okay, I guess it goes. In, I want to go into my next question. It's and it's it, it kind of goes with like parts per se. Where right. I know you. Um, what's necessarily better in terms of parts? Would you rather buy a new part straight off the store, or would you want to get one from like? Um, I, on, an online store or like from someone else and is there like a market for that so once again I'll say it depends um, so with pre-builds you know you're you know you're getting all new parts right mm -hmm. um, if you're buying your parts from a dedicated vendor or you know whatever you know you're not getting new parts um, but new you don't always have to buy new parts um, I, you know, I tell people, if you have the money for new parts, go for it just for the peace of mind of, okay, I have a part that I know is working and has a valid warranty. Um, but if, you know, if you want to save some money uh, and, you know, you know where you're buying from and you know you're, you can trust where you're getting your parts from, by all means, go used. Um, I recommend in particular not buying a used power supply, hard drive, or like computer mouse. Um, just because those tend to have the most, um, internal wear and tear on them, and you never really know what you're getting. Um, there could be latent damage that you, even the owner, the current owner, doesn't know about. Um, similar with buying a car or car parts, you just don't know. Um, but the things that are safe to buy used usually are the processor, CPU, uh, or the graphics card, your RAM, uh, your motherboard, and in some cases, your st your solid-state storage. And we'll, we'll, I'll define all those terms for you guys later, what they mean. Um, but all this comes with an asterisk, right? Make sure you know where you're buying from. Um, you know, be it a good friend of yours, a family member, or um, say, for example, um, eBay is, a, is ye eBay is really touch and go. Uh, you never really know with eBay. Um, but places like uh, Reddit has a, has a subreddit called Hardware Swap. And they have a reputation system baked right in to their whole setup. So if anybody, you know, flakes out on a sale or sells a dead component or, or whatever, uh, they get flagged for it. And they get a lot of flack. So, you know, with that kind of stuff, you can generally trust that you're going to get something good because you know the, the people on the other end don't want to be chased off the whole the whole subreddit um so yeah it got buying used is fine uh just again with that little asterisk okay um i have a, I have a question for taylor then because i know in your previous statement you mentioned that you copied an entire build like yeah. on, the, on the internet i was wondering like how did you how did you yourself acquire the parts uh i think i i bought them new um yeah for my first build i was like i don't even know how to tell if something used is good used or not used so i bought them new um uh pretty much entirely through new egg um which which was very helpful i feel like they they give a lot of information on new egg that's very helpful i mean they're not the only game in town but is but it, that's how i went about it what is new egg i actually i actually have never heard of that site before uh, it is, you know, a tech superstore website. Um, I pretty much any component mm -hmm. you can think of, you are going to find on Newegg. Uh, yeah. 
and they also have a lot of advice on Newegg and a lot of uh, a lot of good reviews from people who are you know doing this. I think you know you you can always like you can find a lot of the components on Amazon, um, but I, I I like Newegg because there are a lot of really in depth reviews from people who have actually like used these components to build computers. Okay. And from what I'm hearing from both of you guys, the, the online community is very supportive in terms of helping new, new newbies trying to get into PC or just trying to build certain, with certain parts. Oh, yeah, think, absolutely. Has that always been the case, or is it just something growing within, like, the past few years? Um, That's a tough question, actually, uh, because most of my education earlier on came from family members and friends who, you know, I, I was already familiar with them. They were patient with me because we were familiar um, so that I had kind of the benefit there. Um, but any learning I didn't do with family or friends was just YouTube videos uh, and articles. So, you know, having no person to interact with, but just seeing a face or reading a bunch of words um, kind of changed my learning experience from what I would assume is the norm, which, you know, people more often than not are interacting in forums and talking amongst other peers that they're not exactly, you know, close friends or acquaintances with. Interesting. All right. Yeah, I think I, I built my computer several years ago and like, I can already tell that like the community is much more built out now, up now. Um, my partner, uh, he has been building PCs for a very long time, like since he was in high school um, and we're old. Uh, so, uh, this was like in the, you know, the very early days of the internet, like using aim messenger, all that good stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I know I, a lot of, um, so, sort of his experience in learning was lots of tinkering of like taking things apart, kind of learning, like, because there wasn't like this vast resource that is the internet. So mm -hmm. if anything, like it is so much, so much easier now. So much less tinkering has to be done because a lot of people have done it before you and have recorded that information. Okay. Then I guess this could go into our next question is like, how much time and effort kind of usually goes into like building a PC and like, what would you say be the biggest challenges in, in building one? Another question that I love, uh, because go back just 15 years. Um, and it's funny that I can even say that I feel old. Um, <laughs> So go back like 15 years uh, and you had to worry so much more about compatibility um, and all, all these other little minutia of, of whether the parts are going to fit together and whether they're going to work together. Um, you know, are you going to get the best performance out of, com you know, combining this part with that part or, or what have you? Um, but nowadays, it's kind of just spelled out for you. Um, I refer to a lot of computer components as adult Legos. <laughs> Legos with electricity running through them. Because everything is slotted to fit one way. And if it's not fitting, okay, you're either inserting it wrong or it's not meant to go there. So take a closer look and you'll, be, you'll know which one it is. Um, as for actually, like, time to complete a physical build... Um, with practice, I've got it down to like 20 minutes. It does not take much time at all if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, it can take a little while, but you're never going to blow more than like four hours on it, really, unless you really have some serious troubleshooting to do. 
um, such as when I built my most recent computer, which was 2015. Um, I had a small little error in the software uh, that interfaces the operating system and the motherboard, uh, kind of the bridge between them. And uh, I, sp I started my computer build at about 8 p.m. And I didn't get to bed until about 10 a.m. <laughs> but that's because I was very determined to figure out this darn problem before I went to sleep. Um, okay. So, you know, my girlfriend had passed out at my place waiting for me to finish. <laughs> and I had a buddy over that was also just kind of watching and hanging out. And he passed out long ago as well. So they were both... They were conked out on the other side of the room, and I was just like, "I'm, I'm gonna finish it." I, you know, I looked like a freaking crazy scientist. Frazzled hair, and my, you know, my five o'clock shadow was more of a midnight shadow. And good times, good times. Then I guess I also want to ask you, like, what are the key parts to building a PC? Where, like, what what does each part do per se? If you can give like a little like TLDR on it. Okay, let me let me scroll around in my notes here because I actually wrote I wrote down some short-term explanations of this. So, basically, your CPU, your processor, um, that is the part of your computer that just does stuff. Uh, it intakes data, it processes it, and it spits out whatever information on the other side, uh, be that data to send to you know to storage or whatever. Everything goes through the processor. Um, Generally speaking, uh, there's obviously more information behind it, uh, but generally speaking, computer or your processor uh, and your performance for your general computer will be determined by the amount of cores in your processor and how fast those cores are rated. Um, there's a lot of fine details to knowing how all that fits together and what it all means, um, but generally speaking, um, within a realm of reasonability, more cores and faster cores are better. Um, you know, 20 years ago, having a, a computer with two cores was overkill. Nowadays, two cores isn't going to be anything for you. And most cell phones have at least four cores. Um, and then the motherboard is kind of what stitches all the parts together. Um, it is the central interface by which you connect all the other components of the computer so they can talk to the processor and each other and all, everything you need to do between components. Um, again, more detail there, but that's the basics of it. Um, your RAM or random access memory is like the processor's short-term memory. Um, think of it as the more memory you have, the more stuff you can do while multitasking. Um, it just It's just temporary storage of all the necessary information the processor will need to get stuff done. Um, my favorite analogy for it is uh, it's like a desk in the sense that if you have a bigger desk in your office, you can spread out more papers and more stuff and you can multitask a lot better because you can look at individual piles of things and see what's where and use it all faster. Uh, rather than, you know, having to pull it out, put stuff away, and move stuff around more often. Um, your hard drive, or in the sense, or in the case of using a solid-state drive, uh, those are just your storage mediums. That's where all your data goes. Uh, pictures, movies, text files, um, you know, music, all of it. That's where your stuff gets stored. Um, so any installation of your software also goes there. Um, but that can, that, that can vary a little bit. Um, 
the power supply is something that I get a lot of misconception about. Um, power supply is just a power plant. Uh, it yanks from the wall whatever the computer components ask for in terms of electricity. It's just a delivery mechanism. Um, so I, the common misconception people give me about this one is, oh, you have this much, you, this big a power supply? That's going to fry your computer. No, it doesn't pump in as much juice as it can. It only gives what it is asked to give. Um, it's kind of like a bank teller, right? Uh, you, have a, you have a certain amount of money in your bank account, and you say, hey, I want to take out $500. Power supply goes, okay, I have $700. Here's $500. You have $200 left over. Um, pretty straightforward. Uh, the case or the chassis is just where everything goes inside. That's, that's what contains all your parts, um, holds them together. And then lastly, you have your graphics card, which is going to do all of your visual processing for the computer. Um, there are some exceptions to the case where sometimes they have graphics cards built into like CPUs, but they're not going to be nearly as good because they don't have they don't have enough space to fit all the technology there. Um, so the graphics card is just going to do all of your visual stuff, 3D, 2D, text output. Everything you see on your screen is being processed by the graphics card. Okay, um, so what would you kind of claim as like your the most important parts you want to focus on in terms of playing video games with the, with a PC? Because um, my assumption from what I'm getting is maybe like the motherboard, power supply, and a graphics card? So, that's a tough one, uh, only because there's no right or wrong answer for that one. Um, the higher your budget, the more high fidelity and high quality and performance parts you're going to buy. Uh, but by and large, you kind of want to get a good balance of them all, especially if you're gaming, because uh, you want to get a power supply that can sustain the electrical load of delivering all that power to your components. Um, your processor, you want to get something that can, you know, make sure it keeps up with what the game needs to run, uh, because there's so many things a game needs to do per second, and you need your processor to be able to do them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the RAM and memory, slash memory, uh, you need to be able to have all the temporary files the game needs to run there, uh, so that the processor and graphics card can access those files. Um, your storage needs to be up to date so you can actually have the game installed and, you know, not eat up all of your storage. Uh, and so things can access it fast enough. And then your graphics card, you need to have a, usually a decent one because games, surprise, have a lot of graphics. Uh, so you, need, you have to have something on your computer uh, that can output all the graphics at a decent, you know, level of fidelity. So we're talking a lot about parts, and a, and a lot of them are Canadian by used or new. Is there any certain brands you'd recommend to try to specifically go for this certain part or anything that like seems like, I guess, the best in terms of gameplay or technology? Because I, there's, I can think of a few brands where I know I can reiterate what Taylor said, where she got like a lot, she, she got like Razer stuff like from Razer. That's like I think it's a, gener a generic brand, maybe Logitech. Just stuff I'm listing off the top of my head where I'm not very tech savvy myself. So, I'll be I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Uh, 
by the time the viewers and such listeners hear this, the answer might change. Um, and this is in my notes, <laughs> but uh, basically, there is such a regular and frequent fluctuation of what companies are on top, which companies have the most forward marching technology, um, and which companies have the most reliable things. Um, you know, like, there was recently a graphics card launch, and these third-party manufacturers that normally I would trust, uh, two or three of them put in some really shoddy components in their graphics cards, and so is frying users' graphics cards. Um, and these are companies that normally I'd never expect to do that, but they cheaped out. Um, and so I don't want to say any particular brands, because I don't want to have to eat my foot later. <laughs> like, well, I, okay, I said that. Somebody bought one of those parts and then it fried their whole computer. Oh, that's awkward. That makes me look pretty bad, huh? So, I mean, generally speaking, um, just go by reviews. If you're buying new uh, or even if you're buying used, go look at reviews of new components. Look at how people are talking about them. See what reviewers are saying, both on YouTube and forums and, you know, writing in articles. Um, there's tons of websites I could recommend. The list is too long to verbally spit it all out. Um, but just pay attention to what reviews are out there and go by that at the time. Uh, because, again, what I say now could be completely invalid within a week. Okay. Um, Taylor, this is actually a question for you then, because I feel like you're definitely more on the consumer perspective as well. Mm -hmm. I Yeah, I don't know that I, I have any any particular suggestions. I think just look at reviews. Um, there isn't, you know, one brand that is, is better than the rest. There's a lot of options. And even within those brands, there, there are a lot of options. So mm. look at reviews and do your research. I think in all of this, do your research before you, you make a decision on what, what you're getting for your build. Awesome. Okay. I guess I'm going to our next question because you mentioned that uh, is that aside from uh, building a PC, we also technically have to have the right programs per se. How does technically like the digital side of, a, of a, having a computer work when you're assembling it? Because I, I would think, oh, you yeah, you're building all these computer parts, but do they even necessarily do anything if you don't know how to pro uh, your way around certain programs? That's a really, really well, I, I guess, important question. Um, and a lot of people don't consider this, uh, especially for new builders. Um, but what most people would expect to put in their computer is Windows. Uh, Windows is one of many operating systems. Well, what the heck is an operating system, right? Um, the operating system is in its basest form, right? On the lowest level, it is software that runs 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 software. So it's basically a container for software. Um, it knows what to do with things. Um, so and it knows how to execute code. So it's the framework that you put, you know, you, you put in a computer that tells the computer, you know, on a high level, here's what to do with literally everything. Um, so the common ones that everybody knows are Windows, um, Apple's uh, Mac OS X, and uh, Linux. 
with millions of different versions of Linux. Um, and, you know, those are the most common ones. Uh, each one has their benefits and drawbacks, of course. It's kind of a double-edged sword no matter which one you pick. Um, but each one does things a little bit differently, albeit with the same goal in mind, and that is just to run your software. Um, so Windows and Linux work on basically everything. Uh, Mac OS X is kind of tied to Apple hardware with some exceptions. Um, and, you know, if you want me to elaborate on, like, specific pieces of software that aren't, like, the operating system, I can, by all means, do that as well. I mean, sure. If anything, keep it, like, beginner-friendly. Like, it, what would you, how would you go about it? If, yeah. Like, like, say, for me, like, I don't know anything about PCs, per se. So I think that would definitely be enlightening. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you pick your operating system based on what you need to do, right? Um, Linux is probably one of the most flexible, just because you can, you know, most people who pick Linux... A, it's free, which is great, um, so you can try it and discard it or use it further if you want. Um, but it also has the steepest learning curve. But once you, man, you, once you have that learned, it's, that, that thing is a beast. Uh, Windows is the most flexible in the sense of most things are programmed for Windows. So, be it video games or, like, any kind of creation software uh, for music, movies uh you know video whatever um 3d modeling most of that stuff is made for windows um and mac os x uh for apple stuff is usually made with uh complete and total ease of access and ease of use in mind uh it's the most straightforward it does what you need it to do uh albeit within these direct constraints um as for software that runs inside of those operating systems, um, I mean, you can you can do anything with software, right? It's just a matter of figuring out how. Um, people make tons of amazing pieces of software out there. Some of them cost thousands of dollars. Some of them cost nothing. Uh, there's a lot of free free pieces of software out there that have a lot of similar features to the free stuff to the expensive stuff. Uh, just does it in a different way. Maybe it's a little less efficient. Maybe it's not as fast. Um, you know, pick your poison, basically. But when it comes to putting software on your computer, obviously you got to be careful about it. Um, you don't download from a shady site. You don't, you know, click from a website that has a billion download now buttons. Um, and, you know, you basically get the software that you need. So if you're, you know, say you're a professional... Uh, and you're working on, you know, high, high-tier movie production, you know, you're working for a Hollywood studio, um, you know, you're likely going to pay a lot of money for high, high-performance, high-fidelity software, and, of course, have a computer to match. Um, but if you're, you know, an average Joe, uh, or even, you know, as we jokingly call them, prosumers, you know, consumers that want to be professionals... Um, or have, you know, need for professional software, there are free or cheap alternatives to those expensive pieces of software that are honestly just as good for your use case. Um, I mean, you can get basically everything free. Uh, it's just a matter of, do you need the expensive version? Probably not. Awesome. 
Well, okay, I guess let's go into my next question, and that goes into, like, maintenance for, for a PC. Say you have a PC for a while, and it's going well. What's the best way to kind of maintain it from being, like, the top pristine condition that you want and make sure it's still up and running even, like, say, months or even years afterwards? So maintenance is super easy these days. Um, you got to hand it to the engineers and designers and developers of hardware um and software as well because they've kind of made it they, they've learned obviously over the past two three technically four decades that um you know to use a computer shouldn't be hard you shouldn't have to manually do a billion things yourself um so you know with hardware just dust it out every few months um if you live in a particularly dusty area, maybe every two months. Um, but what I tell most people to do is, you know, take your computer outside and blast it with compressed air. That's all you got to do. It'll blow all the dust out. It has somewhere to go that's not inside your house, apartment, you know, loft, whatever. And uh, it's going to keep it clean. So clean computers run cool. Cool computers last longer. Um, your heating is kind of important. Not, again, not as much these days because a lot of things have overheating protection. Um, but as long as your computer's not dusty, you're fine. On the software side, uh, most operating systems will, will take care of the cleaning it up on its own. Um, I know Windows has a built-in uh, kind of, I don't want to, I guess I call it tool, um, tools that use themselves. Uh, but it's basically got built-in features and functions that keep everything kind of cleaned up and working right uh, under the hood. So if you put it in sleep mode or you leave your computer for like half an hour, it's going to do little things in the background to keep itself running clean and optimized. Um, and I know Windows is actually a little bit behind on that uh, because Mac OS X has had that forever. Uh, and Linux has been implementing that for quite a while as well. So, yeah, a lot of the software does it itself. The only thing I can say is make sure your stuff is up to date. Um, and the only asterisk slash warning on that is with major operating system updates, no matter which platform you're on, uh, Linux, Windows, OS X, uh, when you see a major update come out or is ready to install, don't automatically click go and install it defer it for a couple weeks and wait to see if you see anything in the news that says hey something's wrong with this update because they you know the the manufacturers or the software developers might redact that and be like oops guys we messed up there's this thing there's this piece of code that does not work right we need to revise this and then re relaunch it to the users um it's really rare but it happens every so often I'm, so I'm, i just recommend that people do that anyway I've seen that happen both in consoles as well, where I think certain updates kind of brick their co their consoles at yep. times. So I think that's I think it was very smart for you to mention that, since I guess it doesn't happen to just uh, consoles. I guess, where I guess since consoles are glorified um, computers in a way, if you think about it. Just highly specialized, yeah. Mhm. Mm awesome. Okay, I guess that actually I, I, that was a much simpler way I thought on maintaining computers. Thank you. My next question would be. Aside from just the actual computer components itself, 
what importance does accessories apply to? I'm talking like monitor, keyboard, mouse. Where, where do they play a role in terms of a setup? I'll, and I, I kind of want to start it off with Taylor, if she can give her opinion on this. Uh, yeah, I am a big, big fan of having a, a good monitor, right? Because you have to have a monitor to show off like what your awesome graphics card can do, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, I... I think it's, you know, you don't have to go crazy. You don't have to get, like, an insane, like, souped-up monitor. But, you know, get something of a good size. Like, I, you know, could I, I – my partner has one that's, like, a, a curved one that's just the best. Um, and I'm actually a huge fan of having a dual monitor set up, too. Um, I have three. <laughs> yeah, I highly recommend uh, if you have the space for it it will change the way that you use your computer um, for the better. So big fan of monitors. I think uh, it's one, uh, that's one of the few advantages that I think PCs have over just the regular computers yeah. in general, because I think we're also regularly accustomed to just one screen only. Yeah, I actually uh, just had one of my, my interns uh, who uh, is thinking about building a computer, or no, it wasn't, I can't remember what he was actually doing, but he asked me, he was like, should I just like hook this up to my TV or get a monitor? And I'm like, get a monitor. Don't just hook it up to your TV. Like your TV is great, but that's not what it's designed to do. Um, so really, I always yeah. thought that monitors kind of focus on like they're just like a smaller TV per se. There's a lot of optimizations made to work with computers that make them better for PC use. Um, yeah, a TV is going to get you by even like the high end, like high refresh rate, high resolution monitors are going to be generally okay. But if you want to get the best experience out of your computer, you really do want to hook it up to a monitor. It's not mandatory, but you know, you're doing yourself a favor. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Right. Then I guess in this case, let's go into audio. Like, I guess, what's I guess headphones playing to play, would you prefer speakers? Um, I guess what are the pros and cons of going for each? I think a lot of it's preference, mm -hmm. um, how you play, you know, um, there are certain games where I, I want headphones and like some nice noise canceling headphones. Cause it makes me feel a little bit more like I'm in the world of the game. You're immersed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm immersed. But then there are times where I, I want speakers playing. I, I think it, it's really going to be a preference thing. Um, so I don't think one is necessarily better than the other. Um, yeah, I will say with keyboard, uh, get yourself a mechanical keyboard because they're the best and they make clicky sounds and then you can delve into the whole world of mechanical keyboards and all of the nerdiness within that world, uh, which I really love. It's so funny how that's come full circle yeah. because way back when, you know, 20, 30 years ago, keyboards were only mechanical. And then they, you know, companies started making these cheap mass produced rubber dome switches underneath keyboards or underneath underneath keys and now you know people are people companies and you know designers are realizing oh my god why did we ever stop this what did what were we doing and here i thought it was just a satisfying like noise <laughs> fidget thing nope it's a completely different manufacturing process yeah. totally different function underneath the hood Okay, then I guess my question is, how does it make it better than, I guess, a traditional keyboard? Um, so, how do I explain that one? Uh, basically, 
a stand well so again mechanical keyboards were the original back in the day um and then the what we know nowadays as quote-unquote the standard is what we've been told is the standard um but the difference being basically there's a under under rubber dome as they're referred to a standard keyboard there's underneath every switch is a, or every key is like a springy rubber dome um and that rubber dome connects two little electrical contacts and that determines okay a key has been pressed computer receives that signal um bridge it basically completes a circuit for that specific key um mechanical keyboards use a well mechanical switch uh usually with like proper springs and you know mechanical you know i'm trying to describe the mechanisms but you know inside and we, we'd be here a while um <laughs> I'm, I'm, i don't have anything concise uh no, to describe I, that but um, basically uses a more mechanical and um, it, just, it just uses more parts to have a more machinery type situation going on where it doesn't, it doesn't, ah, man. No, I think you're fine. I think you don't yeah, have an explanation on how. It still bridges a gap and sends a signal, uh, but that signal is not, only once you have fully bottomed out the key to make contact between two points. Mm -hmm. um, it is once you have passed a certain threshold that it will actuate the key uh, and that will send the signal out. So you don't have to bottom out the key and slam it all the way down in, which <laughs> yeah. kind of gives you a better advantage uh, in terms of typing, gaming, and just the feel of it. It just mm -hmm. feels more satisfying. And, Thank you for the for the one in. Oh, sorry. Yeah, and just from like a design perspective, you know, people have gone nuts with the mechanical keyboard yes. and just like making the most elegant looking keyboard you can imagine, but then also going like the other end and just going like nuts with keycaps and like every design, like color, you know, like configuration that you, you can, can 3d print your own yeah so you can mm. have a lot of fun with the mechanical keyboard and like really express yourself through oh yeah keyboard. absolutely they're expensive in some cases but they're going they're getting cheaper on the lower end and they're so nice they're super worth it treat yeah. yourself and awesome. one thing you can do and i was doing this for a while and then i gave up is a lot of people um have keycaps that don't have labels on them of the keys and it like really forces you to really understand your keyboard and really learn how to type well. Ooh, that, that's clever. All right. Well, I mean, thank you for Eric for like the one-on-one -on -one situation on keyboards. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't have a little bit more concise of a description there. <laughs> All right. I guess, I guess like our guy final accessory that I want to mention is like, I guess mice. Um, how does that kind of matter? Does that necessarily matter in terms of getting your setup? Or is that like another get what you think is preferred? So the mouse is actually kind of easy uh, because, you know, a few years ago, there were like, I think, five different technologies that were the standard for mice. Um, back in the 90s, you had the rubber ball mouse where the mouse would track its movement based on the movement of a ball within inside the mouse. Um, and those were extremely unreliable. You had to clean them all the time. It looked like a, like the ball, if you took it out to clean it, it looked like a hard-boiled eggs yolk. Um, there was a huge meme way back, way back when. Um, 
those kind of fell out of favor uh, for laser mice and visual mice, uh, where the mouse has a sensor inside that you know effectively uses a you know either a laser or a like actually what amounts to a very very tiny uh, low pixel camera to determine that that it's moving on something. Um, but nowadays, you can get like a really, really good mouse for like $60, which is amazing. Um, but honestly, you know, with all these peripherals, you just buy to your own spec. Again, if you're doing high-end gaming, you're going to go for the more, you know, durable, reliable, and high-performance stuff, which, again, doesn't cost that much anymore compared to what it used to when it was like a premium item. Um, if you're doing office stuff, you don't really need to worry all that much. You know, YouTube, emails, taxes, you know, don't cheap out, but don't go, you know, all, don't go nuts, right? Don't go crazy. Um, don't spend like $300 on all these components. Um, but yeah, the mouse is probably the most, probably tied for keyboard with your, with your direct interface peripherals. Uh, because your keyboard is going to do one half of the work, your mouse is going to do the other half of the work. Um, but again, the the options you don't need to worry about it because the best ones are very clearly the best ones based on reviews, uh, review or reviews on the websites, review scores from reviewers, and you know in forums people are going to recommend usually like the same ten things over and over. Um, for those, in my experience, the best brands are going to be Razer, SteelSeries, um, and a few others like them. Say, um, uh, what's the name? Um, Logitech, uh, and a few others like them that they just, they're, they have been holding their place on top for peripherals of mice in particular. Um, keyboards... There's a lot more brands to talk about. Not going to go there. Not going to, you know, not going to uncork that bottle. Um, but, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Do you have anything to add, Taylor, on that notion? or? Nope. I'll just say I personally love my, my Razer, uh, Razer mouse. I like wired mice. Uh, yeah. That, that yeah. is another factor I saw. Yeah. It's like where it's like some are just like wireless and preferred wired. But I guess, I guess a common conception I always see is like if wired, you're always more responsive. Yeah. Yeah, so you're you're gonna have a higher response rate. A um, you're gonna have no interference, right? Uh, you don't have to worry about signals interfering. Um, you don't have to worry about batteries. You don't have to worry about your mouse dying. Um, that has recently been mitigated by uh, companies. A couple of them, in particular, I think Logitech and one other brand, have come out with um, it's a mouse and mouse pad combo, where the mouse is wireless, but the mouse pad is wired in. Oh, I know what company. Oh, Razer actually does that. Okay, Razer popped out their own too. That's three. Um, but basically, the the pad charges the mouse wirelessly while you use it, and the mouse sends a signal to the pad, then the pad sends it wired to the computer. Um, so, so it's like wireless charging for phones, but for mice. Yeah, uh, but also for the the actual data signal. Um, there's still that teeny chance of interference there. Uh, especially with the charging signal and the data signal being kind of intertwined. Mm -hmm. um, but that's the best you're going to get for wireless, and it's they're cool. They're really nice. Um, I just prefer wired because I like removing all the variables for interference and failure. Um, 
So that, that's just my preference. I, I think Taylor nailed yeah. hit the nail on the head with that one. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you. I have one last question, and this goes for both you and Taylor. Mm -hmm. What would why would you recommend people to even get play on PC rather than just sticking to console? Like, what's this? What would you stick around for? convincing someone to go from console to pc like because like so, something because there's been a lot of myths that we've always debunked of whether oh i think a, P, a pc is too hard to build oh i think it's really intimidating i don't think it's really for me per se at times what would you kind of say to kind of convince someone to break off from the any negative stigma towards pc so this is my favorite part honestly aside from the hardware itself um, but all these kind of tie into why I like the other stuff. Um, PCs offer you a ridiculous amount of utility, customization and personalization, upgradability, and multitasking. Um, consoles have kind of taken multitasking, uh, especially the PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox, where you can switch between games on the fly because it caches all this stuff in the background. Um, you know, background recording and screenshots and whatnot. Um, but the stuff you can do with PCs, it just by and f by and large, you know, leaps and bounds more than you can do with a console. Um, that, that's the point, right? Consoles are designed to be really, really good at one thing. And they do it really well, that's the point. Um, PCs are designed to be kind of the does-everything machine. Um, so that, that alone, the fact that you can do so much more with a PC, even a low end PC is, that's just great. That's awesome. Um, you know, but you can have multiple screens as we've already mentioned. Taylor brought that up. Um, customization, you can pick all the parts, how they look. Um, some people, a lot of people, you know, pick their computer for a particular color scheme. So your whole computer looks one way. You can paint your parts and it won't ruin anything. Um, within reason, of course, do the research on how to do that. Um, you know, painting your parts, customizing them. You can, you know, obviously put stickers on the outside of your computer. Um, you can, you know, a lot of people put figurines inside their figure and their computer has a window so you can see inside. Um, a lot of people do like custom water cooling with custom like liquid colors. So my computer, uh, my, my color scheme is black and red. Wow, so original, right? Um, but the liquid in the liquid cooling system is red, but it's like a blood red. So it looks more like my computer has blood running through it on these clear tubes. And it's, I love it. I, I oh, geek out really about cool. it every time I look inside. <laughs> um, and you can do lights, fancy lights, RGB lighting. Um, you can do rainbows. You can make the lighting match your, your components. You can, you know, some people go crazy and go ultraviolet like with re ultraviolet reactive paint on their stuff that you can do so much. Um, and right. then that's just talking about the hardware, right? The software, that's a whole other topic. Yeah. You can go way, way, way further with the software and customize yeah. everything. I have animated backgrounds on my, on my, uh, my computer. Every, every screen on my computer has a different video as the, as the wallpaper. Awesome. Uh, before I, I'm not trying to cut you off. I also want to just bounce it back to Taylor. I love Absolutely. Yeah. No, sorry. I, yeah. I talked too long. <laughs> no, no, I is all in total agreement. And hey, with a console, uh, you got to wait for the next gen before there are any changes to your hardware. 
guess what? If you build your own PC and you want to change something, you can change something whenever you want and you can upgrade way faster than you can in the, the console cycle. Or um, not, if you choose. Or not. Yeah. It's Up to you. Yeah. And, and also just more games. Do you want to play more games? Want to have access to more games? Pizza. No subscription fees for online. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the one thing I've noticed. A lot of the games are also genuinely cheaper Some, at, at times compared. Like, I'm, yeah. I say it's non triple. Like, a lot of indie games are always cheaper. A lot of general mm -hmm. soft, software for PCs is cheaper than, say, buying like a $60 game each time for. Oh, and you don't have to get games through only one avenue, right? You don't have mm -hmm. to buy it through Xbox or PlayStation or whatever. You can buy it. You know, buy, buy a game, download the, indie, like, the standalone installer, go for it. Or you can go with Steam or the Epic Store or, you know, every company. Uh, there's like eight or nine different installers and launchers that you can use. But you can get games on multiple multiple software platforms and they'll generally be compatible with everything else. Yeah, I think also if you're interested in getting into the world of streaming, Let's Play is so much easier on a PC. Oh my god, yes. So much easier. I, I know like... PlayStation and Xbox have been trying to implement a, a consumer-friendly method, but it's still seeing so many road bumps compared to actually like getting like an Elgato, put it to your PC setup, and mm -hmm. then just call it a day, and you get to work yep. on your PC. Yep. But, yeah, no, I think you guys give a lot of a great example. I think the key point I love seeing is the art of customization. I think that's like always a, a good grabber for me, because I think if I'm always liking having my own personal pieces of tech be unique to me. Like what Eric was mentioning, you can just create any type of look you want, background, mouse, accessories. It's all catered to you. And I think that's, that's, that, that, I think that's my biggest takeaway from both, from what both of you guys are telling. But thank you. But I say thank you. Um, before we wrap up, is there anything either of you want to add towards building PCs? Because I feel like I know we covered a lot <laughs> in this one hour. <laughs> I think my biggest thing is, is do your research and, and don't be scared. Uh, I know that I thought, like, I would have to be in, like, a perfect clean white room and, like, nothing, like, I got, like, so worried that I was going to destroy something and I, don't be scared, but also do your research and know what you're getting into. Yeah, um, not, I mean, that's pretty much it, um, you know, I mean... Building your own computer is being familiar with your own computer from then on. Um, Taylor kind of already said what needs to be said. Nothing to be afraid of. Um, the only the only thing to be, What was the phrase? Uh, the quote? Uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Yeah. <laughs> your, your own ignorance is the only thing... Your fear of your own ignorance is what's holding you back, not your ignorance itself. Um... You know, it's the same as people who are afraid of learning how to play the piano or, you know, a teenager learning to drive a car for the first time or, you know, you know, name something that you don't know how to do that seems really complicated and then you did it and you're like, wait, what was I afraid of? Same thing. It's a skill. It's, you know, it's just an activity, excuse me, an activity, a hobby like anything else. I think it's a good skill to actually have nowadays. Oh, absolutely. The more yeah. prevalent technology becomes in our in our world, um, you're leaps and bounds, miles ahead of everybody else if you know how to use a computer better than the guy to your left. Well, awesome. Thank you again, both you, uh, Eric and Taylor. You guys have been tremendous help on 
a lot of these questions. As just for the viewer audience, I am some Eric's actually helping me build my own PC. So I think I am just in this in I'm in the same shoes as anyone watching who doesn't know anything about PCs. I've always been a console person. So I think it, talking about this is definitely a good step in the right direction for anyone who wants to do their own research. So I want to say thank uh, yeah. you. Thank you again, Eric, so much. for helping. Thank you for having me. I'm always glad to be here. Uh, again, I appreciate that you chose me to be your computer guru that showed up today. Um, <laughs> and hey, if you want, I'm putting this on the table. We can record and or stream building your computer when we physically put it all together. If you're interested. All right. Yeah. I'm definitely, I'll, I'll so, I mean, I definitely have the, the setup to do that. So. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much. And thank you again for anyone listening. This has been a lot. Uh, this has been the Log In Audio Podcast. Hope everyone has a good day and good night. Bye-bye. Bye. See you.